In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello and welcome back to season two of Talk Filmy to Me. It has been a minute. John Descamento Crick, before we go any further, how are you doing? You safe? You healthy? I'm good. I'm glad we finally got commissioned for a season two, even though it took about 120 episodes and two years to do season one. (laughs) There we go. It's It's been so long since uh, our last episode that people have died of old age our regular listeners a lot died of, of old age <laughs> <laughs> but uh but oh man like it's so good to see your face it's so good to be back it's so good to be podding again i'm gonna be honest though john like i was uh i've been lining up some stuff for this so i don't know exactly how i'm gonna edit all this stuff yet but essentially i've been talking to most people that have contributed to talk filming to me um over the last week or so, and I'm putting together this kind of we're back. Here's a bunch of mini episodes together. And um, I had some fucking ring rust, mate. I'll tell you what, like getting back on, I've forgotten the ability to read. Uh, I lost the ability to, to like speak. Uh, yeah, just, you know, pretty, pretty shitty. Other than that, though, John, how's work been? Life and everything in between? All good. Yeah, lockdown. Chance to watch movies and listen to music. It's, you know, who knows what's going to it's just a shame you know when we you'll probably hear when we get to the news section it's not like you know banging trailer every week is it and all this exciting news it's more like delayed cancelled yeah uh, yeah that person's been found out or whatever right i even I'll tell miss, you what though. i miss i even miss those bits of news where it tells you that they're going to remake an awful uh remake of a classic 80s movie i i could even take one of them right now do you know what i mean you can even take another point blank remake <laughs> <laughs> it just it. keeps letting it through so like it's been I, I don't know what the exact count is but it's something like 15 weeks since our last um our last pod and uh, we subscribe to a thing called Chartable, and talking a bit inside baseball here, but basically it's a thing that takes your feed and tells you about what's been going on in other countries around the world. And you get an email once a week to say if your podcast is doing all right in certain charts. And uh, every now and again, I'll get an email saying, oh, your, your episode about Queen and Slim is charting in Kenya right now. I'll be like, oh, yeah, we do a podcast. <laughs> so um, if this is the first time you're listening to us with relative uh, newness, then, then thank you. And hopefully uh, we'll get back to normal or whatever normal looks like. I've been getting back into audiobooks and podding again, though, John. Um, I know you're a community man. There's a podcast uh, done by Jeff Winger, uh, Joe McHale, and uh, Cheng, uh, Ben, whatever his name is, I can't remember now. Uh, they they do a podcast together during COVID called The Darkest Timeline. And I'm going to bang on about this a lot probably over the next few weeks. I discovered it over the weekend. I'm like eight episodes in. Basically, Cheng used to be a doctor like in real life. like He used to be a doctor before he was an actor. And uh, they decided to do this podcast where they're essentially talking about uh, COVID-19, obviously, kind of like a public service announcement over these are the websites you should be listening to and these are the you know the, the advice which makes sense in the science and all that sort of stuff. But then I'll just like ring up Alison Brie and talk about community for a bit. And <laughs> it's just really charming and I like discovering new things. Have you discovered anything new? Uh, Zach Braff does a Scrubs podcast in a similar vein where he sort of uh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. 
Fake Doctor's Real Friends, I think it is, with uh, Donald Faison, uh, obviously Turk. And then they have, uh, you know, Ken Jenkins, who played Dr. Kelso and Elliot. Uh, All these kind of contributing, which is kind of cool. We've also got Alan Partridge from the Oast House coming soon, which is... I mean, an Alan Partridge podcast is is long overdue, uh, but I've been crying out for it, hasn't it? I look like a lunatic walking around to his audiobooks because I'm just walking around town, chuckling hilariously to myself like an absolute loony. So I'm expecting to become one of those people about town, you know, who just walks around laughing to himself, just laughing to himself, you know, with a with something in his pocket, rustling around, <laughs> shaking away. Right, just like full disclosure, John, I just tweeted a photo. Like, by the way, the Twitter account's been fucking dormant. Anyone who's been like liking or following us, thank you. But uh, I will admit, I have literally been hands off because you know it was good to take a break and work sort of stuff. Um, but I thought I'll just tweet now, like an image of us looking all happy and back on. And I realised on the image that i've just tweeted um there's actually a quick link to this episode being recorded right now so if all of a sudden someone pops up and there's a dick like just flapping around which is what you do hear about these horrible things that get hijacked i, I apologize uh severely john <laughs> no we don't want one of them flapping around do we uh, if we, <laughs> i'm not ready to be cancelled right. Let, let's go for it season two news let's kick it off news so, John, one of the films we reviewed before the lockdown was The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, which was absolutely fucking fantastic, directed by Leo Wainel. And uh, he has been tapped up to continue in the movie universe world. So Ryan Gosling is going to be working on a Wolfman movie, and they have got the director from The, Invis- uh, the Invisible Man to take this. Uh, how do you feel like this, John? Universal monsters coming back and all that stuff? Uh, I'm not. I like... Lee Wannell's work and I love Ryan Gosling especially in horror I think that's where he really comes alive do you know what I mean because he's got that he's got the intensity to really pull it off Um, I also love him in everything really he's one of them isn't he he can do anything but I'd say Lee uh, I'd say horror's his best so I think it's a good match not bothered about the wolf man but you know I'm not too bothered about the character and to be fair like so Actually, previous listeners might remember that we've done a podcast about the Dark Universe and what could have been, which got cancelled. But uh, they're, they're slowly rebooting this quietly. They don't have the Invisible Man and uh, the Bloomhouse approach, the Bloomhouse way of finding a really grounded story, ground it in some form of logic and uh, put the money in the storytelling rather than the spectacle. And although there's spectacle in it, it's definitely more of a grounded approach. In fact, the approach they took to the Invisible Man, I thought was genius. The idea of it's not actually like a thing they inject or a magical power. It's a suit. It's a suit that's based on technology. And I'm interested to see what they do with the Wolfman as well. So I have a feeling that you don't get the same director for the previous film and not think that there's going to be some form of connectivity. I think one of the things which interconnected universes do well is when they've got one person helming or one view coherently being driven through that, and you've seen it when it's gone badly when there isn't one. So maybe this is the kernels of something different, and maybe this is the kernels of connecting them all together. Uh, you know, quite, I'm, a, I'm 
take it or leave it with Ryan Gosling, to be honest. Um, I really didn't like him in that Blade Runner movie that much. Um, that was, I was really disappointed with that. But but fuck it, people don't tune in for the, the viewer of Adam on, on Ryan Gosling. I'm sure a lot of people are really pumped about this. Uh, one thing which I am really pumped about, anyone knows, I am a Batman fan. I love the movies. I love the comics. I love to see the man in the cow in mm-hmm. any form of media. And uh, we know right now the Batman movie uh, is in the works. It's been in the works for a little while. Matt Reeves directing. Uh, got some interesting chats about that, uh, which I'll splice in over the we're back parts. But um, the Batman, the movie that is being filmed at the moment, uh, they have decided to resume filming, which is great. Woo! Um, but because of COVID-19, it's apparently been quite disastrous in terms of when they have gone back to location. I mean, let's just get one thing straight. It is a fucking nightmare to do anything in a COVID-19 world right now. So they would have to quarantine for weeks before. They'll have to do tests. And this is not just the stars. that We're talking about everyone from the, the people setting up the sets to cleaning the sets to policing the set to everyone involved it takes a it takes a village of people to make a movie they all have to follow a similar thing and apparently what was happening was when they did try to resume filming they'll be like all it takes is one person to test positive and then fuck the whole thing closes down so to stop these uh, to take even further more stricter precautions warner brothers has taken the action to cancel all on location filming there is no more locations that have been used for this movie they are purposely building sets like in the old days in terms of building like fake villages and fake things to make these scenes for the batman i kind of like that but at the same time it's kind of a crying shame that you don't get to see like actual places but then there's like 90s movies right they're they're all fucking purpose-built I'm just imagining this Batman movie being like the uh, like a sitcom with really tacky, thin walls. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Amazing. Uh, well, it's good that they're getting trying to get back to some normality. But you know, US is not doing well with the COVID. So maybe see if uh, old New Zealand will let you in because they haven't got any. I got a shit together, man. Like, like I, I am in or any of our New Zealand listeners, if you'd like to come on this podcast and just tell us about, because you know what? We all love films and everything else, but it's nice to hear about how good countries have figured this shit out because the UK certainly hasn't and would love to hear about how your lives have continued on uh, remotely uninterrupted compared to the rest of the world. Anyway, yeah, a Batman movie made in New Zealand. That would who cares where it's made as long as it looks good, right? So, but um, it does make me think about the old Tim Burton movies. I've been doing a lot of reading up on on Burton, uh, just because I'm fascinated by it. And also, Joel Schumacher, uh, rest in peace, passed away uh, while we were while we were out, not related. And um, just it was interesting to hear about how they built these sets and how they're all all very extravagant models and stuff like that. So it might be interesting to go back to a yesteryear style of filmmaking. Um, but I'll tell you what, one of the most innovative forms of films... Oh, back with a fucking segues, John. Mm! Right. That was a bit rusty, but I reckon you'll get better. You'll get better. Okay, so one of the most innovative ways of making films was Ready Player One uh, last year. I think it was last year. I can't remember now. God, there's lockdown, right? But um, Ready Player One. Was it 2018? Oh, my God. Uh, fantastic film. I think we both like loved it at the time. I can't remember. I, like, think, I remember enjoying it. I think we gave it five stars, to be honest. I Yeah, it was... Really good. I haven't rewatched it, so maybe that says something about it. But I <laughs> maybe we should was... think about our scorings if we're like literally going, yeah, Ready Player One. What's it about? I don't know. Is it a thing? I know he's in it. No, he only voices that guy. It's kind of like a futuristic Back to the Future tying sort of thing. Can't remember too much. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. I do remember. I remember quite a lot about it. I also remember a lot of uh, 
book snobs saying that the book was better but whatever i thought it was great it had a ton of video game references and i loved it so hit me with some good news uh, so that being said, I, I do agree with you. It's hard to remember it. Um, but anyway, that aside, there is going to be a sequel in the form of a novel, which has come out in November. Guess what the title is, John? Ready Player One 2. <laughs> Ready Player One Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. No, it's, <laughs> it's uh, Ready Player 2 is the name of the novel, which is apparently ready to go. It'll be released in November. Uh, I One would assume that when the movie rights were acquired for the film adaptation of the first book, that there's probably a clause in there to do a sequel. Now, the man himself, the legend, Steven Spielberg, uh, came back in a big, bad way, I thought, when he... Uh, he I, loved, I loved watching, although... Oh, no, no. previously i just said that i can't remember it but i do remember watching it going this is steven spielberg going hey all you young directors out there who think you can do a good fantasy movie which is going to absolutely encapsulate the audience regardless of age let me pull out my steven spielberg dick and you can see this movie and trust me like it was it is, it is a ride right it's a great film it does make you think about the the more traditional style of films that you affiliate with steven spielberg of doesn't matter who who you are how old you are you you kind of get the story and you're brought along for that journey so i i'll I'll see more of that i just don't know really how they continue this right because am i right in thinking that the oasis is is open now and they hand it over to i can't remember the name of the main character but it wasn't crying for a sequel yeah but this is a a novel right so he's going to write the novel and then i guess they might make it into a film well they will make it into a film but that's going to take a while right but i mean spielberg it was spielberg for a new generation i thought that was the really important thing because anyone our age and and older knows all about spielberg but if you're younger you might not have got the magic uh just yet but ready player one really put it out there so i I really hope this second one it's, uh, firstly, I hope it's a great book, and I hope they adapt it and use the same team because it was really. It could be a really good series. I'm looking forward to Ready Player Multitap PS2. Had four <laughs> controllers in, just carnage. That was how I liked to game anyway back in the day. <laughs> oh my days! Those multitaps—they used to cost so much money as well. And I've got like... about forty of them, man. I was obsessed. Yeah, but you could put... Here's the thing people didn't know, right? Well, they didn't realise. You could put a memory card in each of the adapters as well. So you could plug in your multi-tap and you can have four PlayStation memory cards, each eight megabit <laughs> memory cards, right? You could put yeah. four of those motherfuckers in and you could say Final Fantasy Seven as many times as you want. Don't at me, bro. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> but um, look, look, one of the things about the first the first film was that it was so the first one the film is that it's very much layered in pop culture right it's absolutely like you've been smacked in the face with a mixture of neon uh, pop culture comic books movies and video games and that's what made part of the narrative really unique and we've now had that so what's the unique thing about it so i'll be interested to see where they they go from that because being meta can only get you so far um meta's forgetful classic storytelling is like everlasting so we need more of the the everlasting stuff Mm. and next up on snobbery with adam um 
So another bit of news which dropped, I don't know how recently it is, but I thought it was an interesting talking point. A classic uh, children's tale, Frosty the Snowman, uh, is being rebooted. There you go, do you want a bit of reboot news for you? Um, it's being remade, uh, I assume, in animation, because uh, live action, fuck it, they could probably pull it off. Um, and Jason Momoa is going to be voicing Frosty the Snowman. I wouldn't put those two together normally. You don't think Jason Momoa, Frosty the Snowman? <sighs> I think that's that's why it's genius, though. You know, it's like uh, the casting of Scarlett Johansson in her. You you hear that voice, and you just instantly you fall in love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you hear, great, great, great. Yeah. you hear, are you saying you're going to fall in love the moment you 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 hear Jason Momoa's voice going yeah <laughs> as a as a the snowman? You're just going to fall in love. It's a live action epic, actually, apparently, and he's playing it. So how's that going to work? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, who knows? But I, I do know one thing that Jason Moore does not get enough credit for is that he is a funny fucker. Like uh, when you watch him do like Saturday Night Live or whenever he does an interview or whenever you see him doing the press junkets, he just looks like a good time. Like he's just enjoying it, embracing it and having a laugh. And I think this might be kind of the real time we get to see him bust some proper comedy chops. This has actually been directed by the team that made Elf. And, you know, for it's amazing elf like there's tons of great christmas movies out there but every time we come to doing a christmas episode or talking about christmas movies and you just do that sense check amongst social media over tell us your favorite movies elf holds such a place in a lot of people's hearts so if you've got that sort of team working on another franchise which people are kind of familiar with or kind of know some form of story with and you're going to have a funny fucker in jason momoa i'm pretty sure it is going to be successful yeah too right i think it's uh, could be an interesting one to look out for Right, so let's let's wrap off this news. Let's talk a bit about Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, I want to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean from a positive standpoint, not Johnny Depp in court at the moment. <laughs> um, so they're going to reboot this. It, it was only a matter of time, right? Disney is one of their most uh, prominent original IPs that they have based on one of their rides. And uh, each one of those movies, although it's a diminishing return in terms of box office value, I think there's a lot of... Uh, IP equity, I think the analysis people call it. And it was only a matter of time before they rebooted this. Now, Margot Robbie has been is going to star in this new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and she's also going to be producing. And there's also other casting rumours that are going out there at the moment. I can't remember the girl's name. Karen Gillan, John, believe it or not, is actually... <laughs> she's good. I like Karen. She, she's everything I hear or see or watch with her in. I'm just like, I love... like I there's one thing which i absolutely it's not necessarily like, i love her in her films but i also love her personality you see like outside of this sort of stuff so when they were filming the jumanji movie jack black i love jack black right he's um he's got a streaming channel on twitch and it's basically like i'm a middle-aged man getting into video games or he might have already been in video games but he's getting into streaming and he would do his streams in between takes of making jumanji and he went and got Karen Gillan to sit on a stream with him. And they were just playing Crash Bandicoot. And I was just like, I could just watch them play Crash Bandicoot all day. You haven't got to make like a $40 million movie. Just play Crash Bandicoot for a couple of hours. And I'll, I'll pay money to watch that. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. But this is great, right? I mean, it needs a, a reboot. Well, I mean, how long has it been since the last pirate movie? It seems like they were like one a year for about 10 years, didn't it? It was four years ago for the last one, and it was kind of a soft reboot, but mm. it did not make the bank that it wanted to. Um, I think for a couple of reasons. One, it didn't have a purpose. Like it was like you had your trilogy of movies, and then you done on Stranger Tides, whatever it was called. I think that's the order it went in. And now you've done another one. And people were just like, mm. and also Johnny Depp might not be the box office draw that he used to be uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, maybe Disney were right to sort of hop out. But also another thing which probably holds Disney back in this regard is that I remember listening to an interview with the directors and the directors were saying, when they were trying to storyboard ideas for this, the last Pirates movie, and, um, Disney were literally saying to them, you can't do that. Jack Black can't like progress in the story. Like he can't like settle down or he can't like go, you can't fundamentally change him as a character. And uh, he has, the, the film has to end with him basically just being a pirate and just hanging out. Right. So if you can't develop your character, eventually it's going to get boring. And that's what happened. You didn't mm. develop Jack. You just, you, you let Jack loose. You learn a little bit about his history in a way which didn't impact the future and not for him anyway. So, yeah, it was only a matter of time before people got bored and the diminishing return, as mentioned. So um, no one has an idea what Margot Robbie's going to be playing in this. We don't know if this is like a sequel or a spin-off in that universe or if it's a complete retelling. But just on paper, this seems fun, right? She's got range. We all know Margot Robbie has serious range. And this seems like a film that's going to really like stretch stretch that range. I'm looking forward to hearing her piratey accent on Margot. <laughs> and... You know, she plays eccentric characters so well. Uh, and Amazing. to be honest, it they are big shoes to fill in a way. Like uh, Jack Sparrow is such a classic character now, especially for a lot of kids growing up. But I think, you know, if you're going to uh, put it in a new direction with female-led cast, I think that you couldn't really find anyone better than Miss Robbie, could you? Nah, uh, like I say, I think first and foremost, she's a fucking great actor. And um, yeah, and the role she has actively seeked in her career proves that in terms of she ain't afraid to A, completely change your opinion on her and B, completely flip the table. So if we're expecting her to be like a drunk pirate and basically being Jack Sparrow, you ain't fucking getting that. You know she's going to do something different with it. And Disney are going to want to do something different with it as well. So I don't think we're going to get a like for like she's going to be you know, Jackie Sparrow or something. I think it's going to be something different and have a purpose to be there. As long as you've got development, as long as you've actually got like something that changes the stakes, then you'll have something that is a not a diminishing return like the original one was. So I'm 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 pumped for this man. Look, if it's Brockheimer and all that involved as well, we know we get the spectacle from those guys. We know we get the the coolness from them. But I'm saying that it's been a while since there's been like an absolute banger of a Brockheimer film, isn't there? Yes, maybe. This is the one, though. This is the one, Flinny. It's the one. It's the one. <laughs> right, so we'll talk about more because, let's face it, 15 weeks worth of news, a lot to still go over. We'll be cherry-picking and talking through those things. If there's something which you think definitely requires the attention right up front, get on Twitter, get in contact with us on Twitter at Talk Filming to Me. So, John, as mentioned, 
I put out the bat signal, the filmy signal out there to all of our, our friends and contributors and just people we love and admire and want to check in, like talk about, you know, hey, A, how COVID's been affecting you and B, you know, let's talk about some movie shit. So um, over the next, you know, series of pods that'll be coming out shortly as part of the launch of season two, um, I'll be intersplicing those conversations over our regular episodes we're recording as well. So first one I want to stick in. The mighty Helen O'Hara. Um, I caught up with her yesterday. Uh, I've got to be honest, I completely embarrassed myself because basically over the time that I was out, I saw that there was a, a rumour that uh, Black Widow uh, is going to continue on past this movie that is about to come out. And that's very hard to do considering the character passed away, spoiler alert, in Endgame. Um, and the the whole concept is that it's a, it's a title that's passed on from generation to generation and a new generation has been found. And um, I was like, Helen, can we jump on a call and talk about this? And I apologize for it on the actual call, but it turns out she broke that news. It was through an actual interview she had with the director. <laughs> wow. You can't get one plus uh, Helen, Flinty. You can try. No, 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 no exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but she was ever so gracious, and uh, we had a chat about that, all things DC and a few bits Marvel as well. So hope you really enjoyed us. It was absolutely fantastic to see her and, and catch up again. So so here is Helen O'Hara. Helen O'Mother Flipping Hara, how the hell are you? <laughs> oh, that is my middle name. How did you know? My goodness. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. More importantly, it's been a minute since um, I've done any of this sort of thing. So apologies for any ring rust or just shitness. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, you're keeping well, you're safe in this crazy time. Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I mean, I work from home in theory, usually. It's just been in practice more recently, because usually I have to, you know, go into town for screenings and go here and go there and do things. And of course, all of that is being done by like Skype or Zoom or Squadcast or whatever else uh, we're using right now. So it's it's been odd but fine have you had any have you had any like uh interviews go wrong or just general you know the inevitable of the gods of technology mess up on you when you've been speaking to someone cool uh, not for interviews, thankfully, but I am just about to start on a, an epic number of interviews for an upcoming Empire feature, which I can't name yet. Um, but some people can probably guess if they listen to our podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very wary of of counting any chickens until all of those are in the bag. I've got like 13 interviews to do for that feature, so until they are all done, I am not making any grand sweeping statements about technology. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally everyone Netflix is off, no Spotify, yeah, nothing yeah. is going on during these no, times. Absolutely, do not stream anything i need all of the internet all of it right now yeah. <laughs> and i should say you even though in lockdown uh, congratulations on your comic book or is it am I, am I right in thinking this is your first like time yeah writing a comic book yes absolutely um they they came to me and, and asked me to do this and I, I still think they might be mad um but it's uh it's a it's a collection called Smash. It's their summer collection. And um, I got to write a sort of origin story for a character called Thunderbolt the Avenger, not one of those Avengers, the other ones. Um, but she's basically, there's a British, this is a British character who's been around since the 60s, but the original incarnation was a man. And so when they brought them back a couple of years ago, they switched up the character and, and made it a woman. And um, and it, she is she was in the original strip. She was a friend of the original guy. So it was kind of explaining how she then came to have the power herself. So, um, so yeah, so I had to try and figure out how to do that. And it is, I mean, it has only increased my absolute awe of people who write comics for a living because it's really hard to do 
a story and try and get some character development and try and get some excitement and some action into a very limited space. Like it's a it's a real skill. I'm so impressed by them. I'm not sure I managed it, but I tried. Would you, would you do it again? Like, is this something you think you'll do a lot more of or is I, this just a, a teaser? I mean, I don't know if I was, I genuinely have no concept of whether or not I even did a competent job, Never mind a good job. So, um, but I didn't get any, you know, horrible feedback. So I assume they were at least happy-ish with me, you know, but, um, but no, I, I would love to do more. I just think I really need to work at it and really kind of spend more time thinking about it because it, it really is a very different discipline. It's a different set of mm. muscles. So, yeah. Oh it's God, good. I can, I can imagine that must be like absolutely incredible to start, but much a relief when it's over but you said, speaking <laughs> of different muscles to flex um obviously empire had to go uh digital in terms of your podcast and stuff mm-hmm. how's how's that been holding up with the guys been absolutely loving the show by the way it's oh, been thank absolute, you. Like, the quality has always been incredible but mm. even still during this has been amazing well that's i mean that's pretty much down to uh chris and james both being um you know kind of tech nazis tech fascists they uh they are very particular about the technology we've been using i've literally had to get a better mic better headphones you know uh, we've been using squadcast like yourself which has been great um and yeah and it's just been a lot of grind and a lot of work at their end making sure every sort of recording is as clean and as clear as possible um but it has been it has been good it's been good to see even friendly faces on a tv screen or on a you know computer screen but yeah it's just been really good even seeing people's faces on the the screen is helpful at this point you know i'll take what i can get so uh so yeah it's been kind of a a lifeline i'm not i'm not sure we're all sane but it's kept us as sane as we are so it's <laughs> let's, let's i know the listeners are going to be really interested in this what what let's uh, let's talk a bit nerdy what equipment are you using at the moment What's <laughs> uh, the mic? i'm using hang on I, will, I can get you exact details because i'm keeping it in the box i'm using a, a blue yeti blackout mic oh yeah and um Bayard Bayer Dynamic headphones. Oh, amazing! Yes, yeah. yes, very good, very cool. So. I've got. Uh, I'm using the Blue Yeti myself. I did have this one, a Snowball, which Ooh. was. Uh, it looks kind of cool. It's good it for like cool. picking up sounds and stuff. And it's a like I used to use it at work a lot because mm-hmm. the microphone in my Mac was broken. So um, I used to pull this out for meetings, and people go, "Oh, what's that? It looks kind of cool." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's like a 1950s alien." Um, <laughs> But uh, okay, cool. So one of the things you guys were doing um, on Empire, I so saw you started doing like a bit more, a uh, bit more interactivity with your, your fans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about facts and stuff like that. Oh. I thought um, I rem- like usually if we were in a studio, I'd get you a gift, but I can't get you a gift. <laughs> so I thought I'd get you a fact that you can pull out of the back pocket in case you haven't had time to do Ooh. one for, for you. This might be more towards the James, not very good one, as opposed to the well rehearsed <laughs> and well researched Helen sort of question, but. Um, this one's about, about Mr. Nolan. Um, okay. It's going to become quite topical, you know, in mm-hmm, the near mm-hmm. future with uh, Tenet and all that stuff coming out. Um, for Interstellar, he decided to grow his own corn. So he grew a cornfield and he went and done the research and done everything into this. And he warranted the cost in doing this as opposed to doing a CG corn fest thing uh, because he then sold the corn and used the profit to pay for said cornfield so um and it's Nolan, so you know he done something weird with time maybe corn was Probably. a construct yep. for him yep. but then um, there you go that's a in, in case of emergency break glass excellent um, fact that's awesome. um, so i also have to apologize because about a few days ago when i messaged helen and say uh we're going to come back and i'm going to start doing these little chats that i'll put into this big podcast that'll be released over next week or so and um, can we talk about that rumor about black widow because about a week ago i opened up twitter and everyone was talking about 
this rumor about Black Widow being that maybe it's a, a title that gets passed on and that it's going to be passed on potentially to Florence Pugh. And mm. Helen very gracefully said, yeah, yeah, I've got some time. We'll, we'll, we'll jump on a call. I then was painting my fence over the weekend and was listening to the Empire podcast. And not only was this rumor actually a birth from an interview that you have done that caused this 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 mm-hmm. whole worldwide reaction <laughs> by the way that must be so fucking cool that something the, something you've written or it found becomes part of public zeitgeist for for a minute so first of all apologies it's not <laughs> a rumor it's an interview you had which you know led to this this piece of information which not confirmed or denied but it's just yeah, yeah so apologies for that oh no not at all um but yeah i mean it's it's i, I take absolutely zero credit for that that is all on kate shortland the director um who i was just lucky enough to speak to for for the feature uh, in empire and uh and yeah i mean she she was extraordinary but she but i so i had sort of guess that from the set the way people were talking the fact just the mere fact that they cast Florence Pugh like you would be a fool yeah you would be a fool to cast her and kill her off at the end because she turned out to be the baddie like it would just they are used to taking amazing bad guys and just just killing them in one film they they do sometimes but I just feel like that would be I know but this would be a a big one. It feels like it would be a big missed opportunity, I think. So so I was kind of, even when I went on the set visit, I was kind of thinking like, she's surely, surely she's going to be a sort of a successor. They've got to be thinking at least the possibility is there. And then a couple of things that people didn't quite say on the day, you know, they were kind of treading around things, made me feel like, yeah, I feel like that's right. I feel like it's a thing. Um, yeah. And then Kate Shortland sort of came out and said what she said, and and that would seem to confirm it to me. But I mean, Marvel are so tricksy, so it is possible that it is, this is all a massive double bluff. It, it, you know, and people possible. sign massive contracts, right? Yeah. Like, didn't Sebastian Stan sign like an epic contract? And don't get me wrong, they got their money's worth out of him, but you <laughs> could have gone in a lot of different directions in yeah. the direction that actually went with. And uh, yeah. like I say, you don't get someone like Florence Pugh and just make him a kind of a a brief encounter. Exactly. I do have a theory, though, that oh, yeah. I, and I'm standing by this. So if I'm correct, right. and I made this by, uh, claim a year ago, I think she's Taskmaster. You think I, Florence that, Pugh that, is Taskmaster? I, that is my theory. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I, I just, I, I think they're doing the, the double bluff in terms of uh, she knows her so well. Mm. Obviously, I know a little bit about the character, but yeah. Marvel don't necessarily have to follow it to the letter, mm. and I thought that would be interesting. But it I'm would probably completely be. wrong. Uh, let me just read you though what what Kate Shortland said about her about about Taskmaster in particular last time I spoke to her. If I can find it, sorry, this is uh, live. You have the, the insight of actually speaking. Well, yeah, to no, it's some it's somewhere stuff. in this feature, but God knows where it is. So hang on one second. Do, do, do. Oh yeah, so. Kate Shortland called Taskmaster at that point, every woman's nightmare come to haunt her. So I do feel like Taskmaster is a dude. Right, okay. But maybe, maybe that's me reading too much into it, and maybe every woman's nightmare is like a bitchy younger Florence sister. Florence coming after you. Yeah, which which in fairness, like if she was really angry with me and out to get me, I would be worried. So well, her, her guttural screaming tough. in midsummer is enough to scare <laughs> anyone, right? Uh so, I mean, yeah, that's, first of all, amazing get. And uh, so you were on the set visit. So do you know I stuff? I was. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I know little bits and pieces, but um, they, they try to keep us away on spoiler. Well, they usually try to keep us away on spoiler yeah. plays. I have been on some set visits where I was told I couldn't 
say anything about the scene I actually saw being filmed, which was frustrating and weird. Like, I I can't write what I'm actually seeing. And I'm like, well, then why am I here? This seems (laughs) odd. Um, That was a set visit where I I literally saw a sort of a key moment in, it was, um, oh, what the heck I'm going to say. It was uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. So I literally saw the bit with the apple. And they were like, well, you you can't write about this. It's a spoiler. And I'm like... I mean, it's Snow White. Is the apple really a spoiler? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like the Titanic guys. I couldn't write about the ship, <laughs> could they? <laughs> oh my god! So, so you're you're on the site. You're on the the set for, for filming. Do you think they're going to do? Because they've had opportunities now. Mm. Because obviously, COVID is a crisis and an opportunity, depending on what language <laughs> you look at it. At. Um, do you think they're going to do any jiggery to the storyline, or do you think anything's going to change as a result of? Because obviously, the slate has changed a little bit because uh, yeah. James Gunn's Suicide Squad has impacted him making Guardians Three, so mm-hmm. they've moved that ordering. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the no, Black Widow basically changing. took that spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And the TV universe is being influenced by the multiverse of madness and obviously Sam Raimi coming in, which is, you know, who, like literally if you sat there and wrote like the darkest timeline that could spur from this, this wouldn't be a bad one. This is a pretty good one. Mm. Actually, sorry, complete sidebar. Are you a community fan? Yeah. Right. I discovered this podcast over the weekend. I'm about six hours in. It's um, it's Jeff Winger and Chang doing a podcast called The Darkest Timeline. Amazing. And and uh, the guy who plays Chang used to be a doctor. Yeah, and Kevin, Ken Jong. Yeah, and he, he spends a lot. So it's kind of like two prong. One is to actually educate people on coronavirus, to be like, actually listen to the authorities. These are the websites to go to. And as we know it of now, this is the best information you should be adhering to. And then they'll just ring up Alison Bree and just talk about community. And I was like, this is a, a combination of a public service announcement and charm. I can get uh, on that. Highly, yeah. highly recommend. Yeah, yeah, get on it. Um, sorry, complete sorry, yeah. diversion there. Um, but do you think they're going to? Do you think they're going to change the the storyline, or has it been changed as a result of uh, being away for a little while? I don't think so because they were um, they were done. They were pretty much done. They were due to come out, you know, in May. So they were, you know, just fine tuning the edit at that point. And I don't think it's been possible really to go back in and change anything significant. Um, and certainly, Kate Shortland was was happy that they basically hadn't. All they'd done was a little bit of fine tuning in in lockdown. Um, so. So no, but I think that the the fa- the fact of the TV shows and the whole extended universe that you just talked about is actually key to Black Widow going back as far as it did immediately. You know, it hasn't played the sort of the Tenet, the Mulan game of trying to be the first big film when the cinemas reopen. It literally immediately went, nope, we're going to November. And I think that's partly because they knew that the TV production timeline was being affected. They knew the other films' production timelines were being affected. And therefore, they are trying to keep everything in lockstep. And it's easier to just move everything six months than it is to um, just try and, and then try and you know, shift everything to keep everything on track. So I think well, they, sure I think no they are, yeah, I think they are, I think they are thinking in exactly those terms. I think they're thinking of exactly that and trying to keep everything together. Yeah. Now that makes sense. So the, the concept of Black Widow being a, a torch literally passed on to someone else and maybe Florence being mm. that I'm not up to speed on everything with Black Widow in the comics. Has that ever happened in the comics? Yeah. Well, it, Black Widow is a title that she had to fight for in the comics. So, and it was Yelena that she was fighting against in one of those storylines. So, um, so it does kind of reflect that aspect of that particular comic. Um, but they do seem to use the title more loosely, certainly in, when I was on set and, and talking to people about it. 
it's more of a, a rank. So it applies to a whole group of people. It's, it's like calling someone a ninja almost, you know, or, or right, a commando okay. or something. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a title that you earn, certainly, but it is not a singular title. There are Black Widows, plural. Mm. Oh, okay. How do I go, like, this might be a really hard question for you to answer because, A, you've got a little bit of knowledge of being on set and speaking to really cool, influential people on this. But how are they going to be, like, how do you think, or if the answer might be, Adam, I can't, nudge, mm. nudge, shut up, move on. <laughs> uh, but how are they going to be able to, so let's say, hypothetically, it is a, a Florence Pugh's character ends up being a Black Widow. Mm. Oh, no, she is, she is one. I can tell you that. She right is, now. Sorry, she, apologies, no. she is a Black Widow she and she Black might Widow. end up being the response, taking, you know, being, uh, okay, so how do they, similar to doing it's anything to do with films that are prequels right or set in the mm. past how do you establish them in the current universe and timeline where they go during infinity war might have been worth giving her a call or you know just how do they how do they do this yeah um i it, i mean i'm i'm i don't know is the is the helpful answer to that one i assume that the wherever they leave certain characters whoever survives this film wherever they leave them there will be a reason that they can't have been called in the first half of Infinity War. Um, I think that they will probably have been dusted during the events of Endgame. Uh, so yeah, have turned up until the end. yeah, you're right, you're right. But in terms of Infinity War, I would imagine there's a reason. But I do think there's some kind of... I'm, okay, I'm not going to say this because this might be a spoiler, but there is a an item of costuming in Infinity War that hint at certain relationships in ah, she has a Widow. very different type of outfit right in infinity War, she is a very, she has a particular or... outfit she has a particular thing that she wears at one point in infinity war that you've actually seen i believe in the trailers for black widow on a different character but i'm not so that might hint at certain outcomes but i don't think it i don't know I don't know. I don't know how much I can even spend yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest, just in yeah, case yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been like pure speculation and then like years later or whenever the films come out and then people are just like, Ellen, you dropped a massive spoiler. Uh, no, but I have been right with speculation. So I don't want to, I, I try and tread. I'll talk about stuff in the office and then, yeah, cause yeah. we, we, you know, we have to be kind of spoiler neutral. Like we can't faff about with spoilers too much, but, um, but yeah, I, I try to, if I think something's a spoiler, I will keep it out of the piece, basically. What was the best spoiler you guessed? Did that such a thing? No, I can't even remember. Uh, <laughs> I know I have done, I definitely have done some, but I can't remember. Uh, I mean, I did like, this is not as a film journalist, but just as a person, I did see the end of the sixth sense coming which i was very proud of because wow. i'm very bad yeah. at guessing the end of mysteries but that one I, I i guessed um but there have been a few things on on film sets i know i guessed um and then somewhere i, f I still feel slightly in the dark uh, uh wonder woman 84 oh i did guess the the identity of the villain in wonder woman but i mean nice. that was pretty obvious from the casting but what, I, uh, I did yeah. that amazing amazing so you mentioned Woman, uh, wonder woman 84 i can't it feels like this film has been in yeah. trailer land for years like, yeah release the damn thing i can't wait they so i think it would have been ready for last november 
Um, it, mm-hmm. it could have been ready for last November, certainly, because uh, they shot the summer before. They shot in summer 2018. And um, and I think they held it back for summer because Paddy Jenkins feels, and I think rightly from what we've seen, that it's a summer movie. And that yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah. oh, no, there's trouble on set. That was, a, that was a decision she was talking about really, really early on um, and something she really wanted to do. Um, so it's really frustrating, actually, because it is. It feels like a June movie, you know. It just has that yeah, yeah. kind of sunniness about it. And best case scenario, now it's going to be like an August September movie, right? So yeah, it it you know that is a shame. But at the same time, nobody wants to wait another year because oh my god, I need it already. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I know, I know, I, I I lured you in by talking about Black Widow, but since we're talking about DC for a second, <laughs> uh, how much of it? In I suppose the question, like, what I find fascinating is that. Warner Brothers completely pivoted over the last 18 months over their stance on where their properties go. They've been a lot more relaxing in terms of where they appear. Like, for example, in the CW crossover episodes, you literally had uh, Grant Gust, not Grant, yeah, it was Grant Gustin who played Flash in that one, but the, the other one. Ezra the one Miller as well, yeah. Thank you very much, Ezra Miller, appearing in that for a, a brief second as well, which you never thought would happen. Uh, they even started using Batman loosely in that, mm-hmm. that world and uh, obviously the Batwoman show kicking ass as well on that. Um, and now we might have a world where you've got Robert Pattinson, Ben Affleck, who's been getting back in shape, maybe just because he sorted his life out and looks good. Good to see. And uh, also you've got um, Michael, Keaton. Michael Keaton coming back yeah. as well. How much do you think the success of Wonder Woman – so Wonder Woman's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aquaman made over a billion dollars. Yep. And we're going to have a Flash movie. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you keep this simple enough where people understand what they're going to see? Like it's, I, it's like they're getting themselves in a big mess though at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I, I don't know. And and I think it's a it is a really good question because um because they haven't been trying to tie them together and that has worked better than when they did try to tie them all to a, to a single aesthetic. And uh and it is really interesting to see how this can possibly work going forward. I think Flashpoint is it does seem going to be the the reset. The reset button, yeah. And it's gonna be the one that either ties them all together or at least explains why they all function apart. It's, it, I don't know which way they're going to go with it, but it, it could do either. It doesn't have to be a sort of new 52 reset where everything comes back to one authentic, th- in theory, version. It could be um, an explanation of why there are multiverses now or whatever. Um, either way, I think casual viewers are likely to be slightly baffled. But, I mean, we passed that point years ago with Marvel, and it's not necessarily <laughs> a problem, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I hear stories about casual viewers of Marvel films who are just completely at sea um, and have no idea yeah, what's going on. And counting their money, just going, yeah, 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 those casual fans really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're really going wrong here. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, there's there's usually a, a me or somebody or a you or somebody about to explain, no, actually, okay, it's really interesting because that person, of course, actually killed his parents. And you see, that's really interesting. But he didn't mean to. It was an accident. My poor wife hates me just because <laughs> oh, she's pretty cool. She's like, what? So we were watching and um, for Father's Day um, this year, uh, we had like a movie night and mm-hmm. uh, my daughter's free and I've got another daughter. Oh. I've got another kid now, by the way. Hey, congratulations. Uh, yeah. And um, we, we all sat down and watched Batman Returns. That's oh. one of my favourite movies. Mm-hmm. And this was around the time that the Keaton news was being mulled around on the internet. And I couldn't help but notice one thing, you know, the scene where they go to the, the ball and mm-hmm. Michael Keaton, had that amazing scene. Yes. There's and you somebody see the dressed as the flash. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And I, I was just thinking if they could somehow do a back to the future style, 
I've got to go back to the dance and stop from something from happening. And he puts on the Jay Garrett hat and is able to wander around in the background. I would be, that would just be the most genius move. You've, you've sold wow. me. You can do whatever you want <laughs> with Flashpoint from that point onwards. Like, even though it's nothing to do with, with Flashpoint, that part. But um, I would, yeah, I'm sold. Like, uh, I'm, <laughs> and it's great that we're all rejoicing, right? We don't have like, just people just happy that this is happening. So that's always good to see. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think we'll take our pleasures where we can get them uh, these days for, for obvious reasons. But I do think this is a, this is a good thing. I mean, look, Kevin Feige, even at Marvel, has always said, I want DC to do well. I, you know, I think everybody benefits if everybody's doing well, because apart from anything else, the average raise person doesn't necessarily know. Well, yeah, it raises your game, but also the average person doesn't know the difference between DC and Marvel always. Not not everybody does. And genuinely, I find it hard to believe, but it's true. And uh, And that means that if you go and see a really, really bad movie by DC or Fox as was or whoever else, you could end up then saying, oh, I don't want to see Avengers because I didn't like their last one. It's like, well, it wasn't theirs, but but people don't necessarily know. So it, it actually benefits Kevin Feige, etc., if there are other good comic book movies out there. Although then, of course, you get the people complaining that, you know, well, Deadpool wasn't in it, so that's what <laughs> I went for. <laughs> yeah, well, you get people saying, oh, is it saturation of the market now? We don't say that about yeah. World War movies, right? We don't well, say that yeah. about... Else, so. I mean, look, I, I get it in terms of economics, but the economics are such that, you know, even if they're not spending $200 million on Marvel, whatever, they're not going to spend it on interesting adult drama. They're going to spend it on, I don't know, this is a terrible example in a different studio, but they're going to spend it on Minions 3. You know, that's yeah. the way of the market. So it's not superhero movies or fascinating adult dramas. It's superhero movies or other blockbuster entertainment. And right yeah, now, yeah. superhero movies are the most interesting thread of a lot of blockbuster entertainment, so I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, all honesty, over the last few years, I've really gotten into my comics. I've been mm. doing a lot more reading on the subject matter because you you go, oh, this is cool. And then you'll hear someone on a forum somewhere going, actually, if you think the film was good, read the fucking book. Yeah. And <laughs> you go, all right, I'll give it a go, right? And all of a sudden, you've got a shelf full of comic books and your kid's wanting to read them. You're like, don't touch them! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm back! Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but it's, it's, it is all good. So, yeah, I suppose in summary, looking forward to Black Widow. Really hope that uh, I am right with Taskmaster, but it sounds like I'm wrong. Well, and, I don't know. Uh, you might be. You might be. But um, Taskmaster is something that they were very cagey about on set. So, uh, and obviously, there's still no casting announcement, nothing, you know. So, uh, that will be fascinating. Ben Kingsley, there we go. You, you, you broke it. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be amazing. That would make people's heads explode. No, it won't be that. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So there we go. We've got an exclusive. Helen O'Hara confirmed it. <laughs> ben Kingsley is being taskmaster. On that note, Helen, thank you so much for your time. Really Pleasure. appreciate it. Uh, speak soon. All right, talk to you soon. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. <gasps> Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who wants to hear your Eurovision song? So, John, obviously cinemas are still closed and uh, and they should only open when it is safe to do so, I might add. Although, Sarah, now I have a feeling that 
Christopher Nolan is going to be literally booting the shit open of doors to say, come see my fucking movie. I don't care if they say it's closed. You're going to come and see Tenant. But um, but obviously, we are still a minute away. But that doesn't stop a bunch of streaming releases coming out. And one of them, which came out while we were out, I wanted to catch up on, was Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. We reported this as a news item, I think over a year ago, that Will Ferrell is going to be writing a movie based on the you know on the talent competition based of the best sing or not best but uh singers that are representing their countries think of it if you're don't if you're not aware about what the eurovision song contest is google it but it's essentially like the olympics of singing for europe um is that a good way of describing it would you call it that yeah, it's an absolutely huge deal all over Europe. There's it gets, cultural thing, it? it gets the big basically it gets the biggest audience ratings in the world. It's something insane. It's on par with like the Olympics and stuff. Um but it's also a big joke and everyone likes to laugh everyone's at it. It's a joke everyone's in on. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. I love it. And- <laughs> and Will Ferrell grew up uh, watching this a lot when he was a child, and you know, as an adult, he absolutely adores the competition. And when he, I don't know how you acquire the rights to make this sort of thing, but he got the rights to make this movie. And he wrote this with a gentleman called Andrew Steele, and they got a guy called David Dobkin to come in and direct this. So uh, let's 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 go over it. Let's watch the synopsis. So this is based around Iceland's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, basically, Will Ferrell plays a character who has been absolutely obsessed uh, with the Eurovision Song Contest since he was a young boy, a little boy called Lars. And Rachel McAdams is also in this called Sigrid. And essentially, they're a duo. They've been performing together for most of their lives and uh, they want their dreams to be in the Eurovision. And it turns out that uh, they never quite make it until this year. And the reason why is because one of the things about the Eurovision Song Contest is that if you go to win said tournament, you have to host it the following year. And this is a very expensive thing to do. So Iceland never wanted to send anyone there who could potentially win it because they might end up <laughs> having to actually do it the following year. Which, by um, the way, is a complete ripoff of a plot of a Father Ted episode called A Song for Europe, which I thought was quite amusing. Oh my God, it really is, isn't it? The exact plot is they put Ted and Dougal in as their candidates so that they'll lose and they won't have to host it the next year. So It actually is. But I don't hold that against the movie because no, it's a daft right. comedy and whatever it's all good i i have to say this when i first heard this i thought oh my fucking god they are gonna let rip at this uh competition because it is very easy to poke fun at and <laughs> it's too easy wrong, they do they do poke fun at it but not in a negative way it's like i say it's a joke they're in on and I'm just surprised the direction. This felt like a love letter to Eurovision rather than a, hey, look at this crazy thing that's going on because the theatrics that every country submits, the quality of the music is questionable and everything else. It is, it's meant to embrace it. It sounds like a celebration of it. There's one scene in particular where they um, they all live in a house. I don't know if this is true. They might have just completely just made this shit up, but they go to a big party. All the Eurovision Song Contest entrants go to a big party and they have a sing-off. They all sing together. And there's this lovely scene where loads of people are singing. And apart from that, obviously the Hollywood actors that are in that scene, everyone else is actually a, a 
either a previous winner or a notable entry in previous Eurovision years. And it's like, if you're going to take the piss out of this like concept and this competition, you would not have the actual singers involved in the joke unless you're an absolute dick. So obviously this is made with a lot of love and affiliation for the competition itself. Would you say that? Absolutely. I think it's a real love letter. It's it's a daft show anyway. It pokes fun at itself. You know, stuff goes wrong in it all the time. There's protesters. There's all sorts of archive footage I recommend. If you want the greatest entry of all Eurovision time, please do look at Moldova tw- 2011 because it's tr- it's just the greatest scarce weird rock song you've ever heard. They got pointy hats. They're on unicycles. It's a a wonder it didn't win, but it's just the most daft night you'll ever see. And there's a reason why we all love it. And people host Eurovision parties where they all come around and watch it. I've got Um, to say, many of my university years we have spent on Eurovision nights and we would go all out, like everyone would dress in the country they're backing, obviously (laughs) England, (laughs) and yeah, it's so I think it holds dear in a lot of people's hearts. So the subject matter already holds dear. Secondly, you've got Will Ferrell, and I think it's fair to say we all enjoy a good Will Ferrell comedy. And um, this very much makes me think back to Will Ferrell's, I'm putting on my glasses now, John, because I'm going into film critic mode. Um, (laughs) Only just. I, only just. Yeah, it took 200 episodes. And now I've decided I can I can critique. No, definitely not. Um, but uh, more importantly, it's been a while since we've had a good Will Ferrell comedy, not because I don't think he's made good comedies uh, of late, but he just hasn't really got involved in these sort of projects, you know, for, for whatever reason. Uh, yes, okay, he did make that Holmes and Watson movie, but we'll stricken that from the record. Um but this very much reminds me of Blades of Glory, that sort of era of movies that he was making. And the comedy is very similar, right, in terms of the subject. He is the subject of the ridicule, not the thing he is doing or the thing that he wants to be passionate about. It's very much him. A lot of physical comedies involved. Rachel McAdams. I love this lady. I think she is very, very funny. She was in the best comedy of the last 10 years with Date Night. Is it called Date Night? Game Night. No, not Date <laughs> Night. That was not very good. Game Night. Uh, and I think she was fucking hilarious in that. When she was cast, I was like, this this film is going to soar with her in it. They don't, I think they don't give her that much to actually do, though, do they? She doesn't get the the great comedy lines. A lot of it kind of goes to Will Ferrell, but she acts her heart out. And I can't, you know, this movie, there were moments in it where I really choked up. And, I, and then I had to pinch myself. I was like, you're watching a Will Ferrell comedy that's as daft as, as Father Ted. But she is so good. It was She's almost too good to be in this. But, uh, I mean, I, it really it, it got me in the heartstrings, I have to admit. Now, there's some amazing things about uh, this movie. One, I will say, all those moments with Rachel McAdams where she really acted... They use like uh, half of a Sigur Ross album and the Sigur Ross's music. I don't know why it's not used in more movies, but it's the most beautiful film music you've ever seen. And it can make Will Ferrell turn into a sort of a, an emotional wreck. You know, it's, it's just it married the picture so well. It wasn't over the top. And I thought those moments were just amazing. And Rachel McAdams, I think she stole a show by the end of the movie. It was yeah. kind of her movie. 
Um, yeah, it, I agree with you on that. She wasn't given much to do, and most of her comedy was centered around the actual music itself, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of, because like, most of her, like, she's the seat, like, she's the more talented one out of the duo, and there's this kind of theme about her finding her happiness and all that sort of stuff. And there's kind of a will they won't they thing between him. I've got to say, Pierce Brosnan is in this film. <laughs> and one of the things which I thought when I looked at this on paper and go, okay, they're supposed to be from Iceland, they're the Iceland entry. There is no notable actors from Iceland playing any of the lead roles. <laughs> um, and neither of these people are of Iceland descent. So, And they're all comedic people. So one could be forgiven to think that this might be done in bad taste. But it's not. I don't think it is. I think they've done it really well. And Pierce Brosnan plays the father in this. I've got to say, like... Bond looked good. Like he's <laughs> he ages like a fine wine, that man. And there's this kind of long running gimmick that he's basically the sugar daddy of the village, and that basically he could go get it wherever he wants. And it's just he's barely in it, but when he is in it, it's charming and funny as fuck. He's really good, actually. And he even hooks up with Aurika Johnson, spoiler alert, but she has no lines, she just turns up. In, 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 that's, Arika I, Johnson. that's Arika Johnson at the end. Did you notice? Wow. Wow. And football she... crazy. Football mad. <laughs> I think the football Eureka hasn't had. Classic. Thank you, Bob Mortimer, for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's obviously, there's a huge, this film sort of, I don't know about you, but it lost its way an hour in for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then it seemed to get its juice back, which was really, really awesome to see. Um but there is a huge song and dance number where you will see cameos of basically every Eurovision entrant that was vaguely relevant from the last 10, 15 years. So if, you're in, if you love Eurovision, suddenly you're like, I know him. I know her. She's from Israel 2018. You know, she won it then. There's the bearded lady one. You know, there's... Uh, <laughs> so that sounds... You, you'll know what I mean when you see it. But uh, so... It, that's a really nice sort of love letter because honestly, the Eurovision graveyard is must be quite big, uh, rather like reality TV. You know, it churns them up, and then what do they do after that? Who knows? I actually know this is a strange uh, link, but I know and worked with the Iceland entry for Eurovision in 2012 and 2016, which. Um, she worked on a cruise ship with me and is a violinist. Unbel- one of the best musicians I've ever seen in my life. She is unbelievable. But she also writes these songs for Eurovision and told us all about it. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it's truly a world within its own. Um, she might have even, yeah, she might have even might written. Well, that's what I was trying to work out, but I'm I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything on. Do you know her well enough to text her? uh possibly yeah but i don't know if it's a sore point because she's like quite involved in iceland eurovision if she wasn't called for it i don't know <laughs> but uh well, text, her. text her right now i just say say hey john o here because i'm assuming that's how you say all your messages to people <laughs> oh yeah yeah were definitely. you involved in the eurovision movie if not why not and if you are <laughs> please talk to my mate flint <laughs> perfect but um hugs and kisses john it's a real love letter to anyone in that world. And I think to really enjoy this movie, you might have to sort of enjoy that world or at least appreciate just laughing at it. 
even for that uh, because I could see some people maybe it getting a bit too over the top and campy for um, I know Jamie my wife and sometimes uh, talk filmy to me review critic she was a little put out by the uh, love storyline because rather like chef uh, it felt like Will Ferrell casts a much younger, hotter <laughs> woman to be his love interest. And she, for some reason, is in love with him. Um, that didn't bother me so much because, I mean, it's a really daft film. Yeah, so you, you suspend time, belief. And she also found Piers Brosnan's Icelandic accent very questionable. <laughs> so this is where we get your wife to actually tell us why we're stupid with our opinions because she'll point out something you go yeah you're totally right you should totally do a podcast about films <laughs> uh, all right let's grade this sucker john i for all the goodness and don't get me wrong it is a good film like i'm not gonna be sitting i'm not gonna watch this again um, and i'm probably not gonna i probably don't think i will be thinking about this much more so i can't really push it towards the fours or the fives but this is a damn good free uh, in my opinion i think it's a good time i think maybe maybe we need to think that look in a t- the way the world is right now we need something to smile about and this is definitely something to smile about so it's a really good free in my opinion i'm do you know what it's, I, I, was, I was struggling with this but i think i'm gonna give it a four because there were moments where i thought were just brilliant i mean this is a there's a lot wrong with this disjointed weird daft comedy uh but the good moments the funny moments were really funny the sweet moments were really sweet it was two hours it could have been 90 minutes like nearly every movie should have been 90 90 minutes but it's about 20 minutes too long and it used sigur ross one of my my favorite music all time they really you know used the, it was a love letter to Iceland. It was a love letter to Eurovision. I found it really heartwarming. Actually, I've got Graham Norton's in it. Graham, Graham Norton's Norton. in it. Oh, my God. The Father Ted Link, right? <laughs> That's it. Uh, All comes to the there we go. All right, all right, four. All right, I agree with you. All right, you've, you've sold me. Sir, you have convinced me, and I'll subscribe to your newsletter. Four <laughs> out of five. Thank you very much. <laughs> Eurovision, the the fire saga. I can't remember what it was called. Now. So, the, <laughs> uh, the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, the story of fire saga. Four out of five. <laughs> Stop laughing. I'm trying to fight you. <laughs> My you hit me, but... Very light, like silky kitty fish in marshmallow boxing glove. John, you know what it means? We're near the end of the pod. It means we should have a game, right? And I've got a game for you, my friend. Uh, it's fair to say that there are some pretty good Toms out there in Hollywood. But I want to talk about two in particular, Mr. Cruz and Mr. Hanks. Uh, I think it's fair to say we like them. They like We like their works. I don't actually know who you're talking about there. Uh, Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. <laughs> Why do we always end on a game, a low point for me? You know, this might be a high point for you where you get to exercise your power over your your junior but i don't enjoy the games one little bit it exposes me to our legion of fan and makes me look legion like a right <laughs> makes me look like a complete unqualified dumbass but go on then hit me up 
Let's do oh, it. Look, when I read the reviews of our podcast, which, by the way, folks, it's been a minute. I know it's been a minute. If you could write us a review, we'd love it. But uh, uh, they always go down the lines of don't take themselves too seriously. They definitely know they love films. They just don't know films. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the games, that will really show and we know a thing or two about nothing. Um <laughs> But in all honesty, it's something that people can play along with at home. If you've got ideas for games, please send them over. Basically, the concept of this game, Hanks or Cruise, I'm going to read a series of film titles to John over the next 30 seconds. And he has this to say whether it's Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise. You say Hanks or Cruise. So, John, mm. if I turn around and say Mission Impossible, you say... Cruise. And you'll get a point. That's it. And, and you're going to have 30 how much money? Points. How much money do I get for each point? Because it's yeah, all about the money. Donating your points, I'll get all the money out of this episode sponsorship, John. You can have, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm a tough, I'm a tough but fair, fair host. Well, that sounds good, that's actually. Go on in, hit, hit me. All right, okay. So, right, it's 30 seconds, right? So, bear in mind, we're gonna have to go fucking lightning on this, okay? So, are you ready, John? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay, three, two, one. The Circle, Cruise, Sleepless in Seattle, Hanks. Magnolia. Cruise. Hank. Oh, damn it. Saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Hanks. Greyhound. Hanks. War of the Worlds. Cruise. Forrest Gump. Hanks. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Hanks. Oblivion. Who? Cruise. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. Cruise. Rock of Ages. Thanks. You are out of time, my friend. Okay, so you got nine. Did I get any wrong? Uh, yes. Uh, the circle was Tom Hanks. Oh, bugger it. And uh, Rock of Ages was Tom Cruise. You said you said Tom Hanks. How could I got that wrong? I can't believe it. What are the odds? And I won. I'm, I, <laughs> I literally went and researched. What are the odds? <laughs> 50 <laughs> percent chance there buddy but um i i i grossly over exaggerated i went and re- research i went on imdb and got both their lists and i was prepared to go through 80 i don't think i could read out 80 in 30 seconds let alone get to that so i might park this for, for other hosts in fact i've got other people that i'll be talking through it i might might do a little leaderboard on this one but um, in 30 seconds john you got nine you you know your crews from your hanks i'll give you that buddy I, well, I hope so. I've been doing a lot of research in preparation for this, so. <laughs> well. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. Fighters like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? The Old Guard Netflix original dropped last week. It is starring Charisse Ferron. It is a, it's based on a comic book, believe it or not, but not from one of the big publishing houses, from one of the independent houses. The guy who wrote the comic book, Greg, uh, Greg Rucker, I should say, uh, he done the writing for this movie and he helped guide the director, a lady called Gina Prince-Bywood, and she is the first 
woman of, I think she's the first black woman to ever direct a superhero movie. So that's cool, right, first of all. And hopefully that opens up even more doors. Um, you can be forgiven for thinking that this is a knockoff of Highlander because essentially the premise of this movie is that uh, there are immortals that have lived for centuries and there is a gang of immortals who are a bunch of assassins for hire led by none other than Sharice Ferron. And uh, they discover a new person with the ability to be immortal and essentially they go recruit her to bring into their merry band of immortal people now there's an evil corporation that is out looking for them and this evil corporation is a pharmaceutical company big pharma and all that sort of stuff and the reason why they want to hunt down these immortals for obvious reasons profiteering and all that sort of stuff in between now on paper you go yeah you know I've heard this story before. You know, we, we, we've kind of seen these tropes done in very similar ways. Anyway, but I have to say, this is a damn good time. I really enjoyed this movie. I do have a couple of critiques, and I'll get to those in a moment. But first and foremost, Sharice Ferron. There is nothing this woman cannot do. Uh, her ability to act and her ability to kick ass is out for everyone to see in this movie. You can tell she's having a really good time. Uh, in terms of locations and stuff like that, this is very much set like just in non-typical locations for these sort of movies. It goes very much more Middle Eastern in terms of its location. So it's interesting to see these tropes told in a different way for a different lens as well. And I think that also like the way this is told is something we've not necessarily seen before. So it's taking a well-worn jacket in terms of assassination movies and band of brothers and all that sort of stuff but doing it in a really cool innovative way for netflix and like this is not a like on paper you think oh is this one of those crappy straight to dvd movies that you've just got a big star to it's on netflix no it is not is it one of those movies that every other studio passed on and netflix raided the bargain bin for by all accounts, I do not think that is the case, and it does not show on the screen as well. This is a very, very good movie, one of the best action movies of the year, and I'm not just saying that because of COVID. It will definitely hold up in the cinema as well. The only th the critics I have this movie is that this is very much the movie before the movie. This is the origin story. This is the, hey, we're going to establish these characters, establish this world, set some stakes. They'll overcome these stakes ultimately, and then you're waiting to see the sequel. And you know, nothing says sequel baiting more than the end of this movie. And I think it will get it. It's Netflix. They're going to throw the money at this. And they are in terms of it's trending around the world. Everyone is watching this right now. So um, there's no reason why it shouldn't. In regards to the rest of the cast, so the newbie, the person who you're supposed to be seeing the world through the eyes of, very much like Will Smith in Men in Black or Neo in The Matrix of, oh, I've discovered this new world and now I've been indoctrinated into it, is a girl called Niall, played by Kiki Lane. And she is fantastic. She doesn't have much to although she's like the central point she doesn't actually have much dialogue a lot of it is actually being expression you know a lot of expression and uh, she just does it in such a nuanced way like she's a, i'm trying to say she's a really good actor believe it or not and um, i think that she she does the role fantastically in terms of other cast members as well we've got uh and apologies on butchering names here uh, we've got people like Malwin karazi who's absolutely incredible in this as well and uh i i'm not going to attempt to name other people in this because i'll just do a disservice but i'll put links to the imd page you can see the uh the other actors involved in this everyone brings their a game everyone brings some really interesting things here the music i have to say the music john you're a music man 
you're going to love the soundtrack to this movie. I can't name any of the artists. I'll tweet the, the Spotify link to it later on. But it is beautiful. You wouldn't necessarily affiliate this with you know assassins and the mortals and that sort of stuff. But the music is is really really good. Um, there's a couple of really interesting scenes. There's one scene in particular where essentially Sharice Theron gets this massive blooded axe slash sword and just goes on a rampage. And it is up there with um, oh god, like Kingsman. You know that scene where um, Kill Bill. Uh, in the church in the church yeah or kill bill it's, it's on that sort of level of of uh just but also amazing amazing fight sequences so i've probably rambled far too much as i need to on this i think it's a damn good time i am going to go four out of five i do think it is very good the only problem is that it's very sequel baity it's like a oh you, you spent 90 minutes plus telling me about this or should i say two hours five minutes plus telling me about this thing when you could have done that in a bit of a shorter period of time and maybe give me the sequel that i actually wanted to watch mm. so anyway. i like sequel baity i'm gonna use that yeah it is it is. i mean to be fair it's very rare well it's not very rare so it basically happens every movie now but it's not a given all the time now that there will be a sequel and i think maybe this has rested on its laurels just a little bit and gone well yeah, we'll set up a new dynamic and we'll move. Um, I've got a few friends who talk to me a lot about comic books and um, a lot of them say it diverges a little bit from the comic in a way which they weren't expected. But other than that, it is very true to the source material, which is to be expected when you've got the writer of the comic book writing the screenplay as well. It's his first screenplay. And um, I hope he writes a lot more because it is really good. And uh, if this is the sort of quality we're getting from this, I think the bar for Netflix, Netflix, if you are watching because you stopped sending a screener, because we kept slagging off your originals um, the bar has been raised considerably with netflix originals um, in the last 18 months or so and this is probably the it's it's either it's a type during this and extinction extraction sorry i should say um of like best actiony movie on netflix or on streaming services at the moment i should say and that's a good thing you know both excellent films in our own right and th- i think this is going to have a real cult following it's got that kind of fantasy element to it as well awesome I strongly recommend that we leave right now. Let's move! Wait for the signal. How the hell can you even tell? Oh. Thank you so much for taking the time to download and, you know, rediscover us again if we pop back up on your feeds. We do appreciate it. We are back as mentioned there's going to be lots of little pods being released over the next few days so please subscribe click on that like follow subscribe whatever button it means that you get more content from talk filming to me john descamento my boy how can people find you you can find me on twitter at descamento come say hi can i say like, follow us on twitter at talk filming to me but if you are like preaching hatredy shit or like just being a bit of a jerk like you'll get you're in Blockstown, fella like and you're probably a fella like seriously I'm, I'm i used to be quite quiet on the abuse front but i'm saying fuck it like if you've got nothing nice to say then go fuck yourself <laughs> quite frankly um social media is a place for sharing and learning and we should actually stop letting people spread toxicity so uh, i'm going on that front now so please follow us on twitter at talk filming to me wash your hands wear a mask stay safe till next time bye bye